Thanks, Asanda. It's six minutes past 12. This is a Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We welcome your SMSs on 34701 on anything really that's on your mind right now. Otherwise, you can uh, tweet us. We are at uh, Midday Live. Uh, SAFM Midday Live or otherwise you can send us an email middaylive at sabc.co.za you can also get uh, in touch with me via my personal Twitter handle at Gwalabi News that's another Twitter handle that uh, or rather Twitter account that you can use Uh, some of the stories that uh, we're looking at uh, the opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance says it is pressing ahead with measures to oppose the implementation of uh, e-tolling in Gauteng and uh, the ANC has rejected claims that uh, members of the party were involved in uh, inappropriate incidents aimed at embarrassing DA leader Helen Zille and the uh, Cape Town Mayor Patricia DeLille. Reports say the two were booed at, uh, at and uh, human waste thrown at their bus in uh, Kailicha. And uh, the NC's Philip Dexter saying that uh, the party does not approve of uh, such behavior. And uh, Zille spokesperson Zach Mbele says that their legal team is uh, finalizing details of charges to be made against Makaza residents who dumped human waste at the entrance of uh, the provincial legislature. What do you make of uh, this particular story? Uh, we are on uh, 34701. We welcome your SMSs there. Another story that uh, we hope to, uh, to get here is that of uh, the Eastern Cape local government and traditional affairs embarking on an initiation awareness campaign, MSM Libo Koboshiane and a team of traditional leaders uh, visiting Upper Kohana High School in Misty Mount uh, to talk to these communities about zero uh, and amputations uh, during uh, initiation, zero deaths, that is, and amputations uh, during um, initiation. So we hope to, uh, to talk to the MEC about that, but also would like to talk to him about the latest in uh, the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro. Uh, have they been able to resolve the standoff between the mayor there and the municipal managers. Just some of the stories coming through right here on Midday Live. Day two of the Kimberley Process Mining Conference, civil society is calling for the review and the expansion of the Kimberley Process mandate, but Ambassador Welin Ntlapo, the chairperson of the process, has cautioned against such action, saying this will derail their work. For an update on this now, we joined on the line by our senior reporter in Kimberley, monitoring at this conference, Margaret Motibi. Good afternoon to you, Margaret. Hi, Margaret. Hi, can you not hear me? Uh, you, we, can can, hear we, you. Can, we can hear you loud and clear right now. It's day two of this uh, Kimberley process. Uh, really, just uh, just remind us, what is this conference all about? Um, before I remind you, let me just tell you the latest that, that came out of the conference because yesterday there was a was an issue with the ambassador. He, he, he was sharing most of the proceedings that were going on, but we heard that in the afternoon he collapsed and he was taken to hospital, but we have been assured right now that he was checked and discharged, um, even though he is not part of the proceedings this morning, but they said that they're expecting that he will be back um, in the later sessions that they'll be having today. And the question, that you, the question that you asked about the background, basically what the Kimberley process was established for was to get rid of um, conflict diamonds, meaning that diamonds that were mined to kind of like fund wars and to destabilize um, legitimately appointed leaders. So the process was, was therefore started 10 years ago. It was started here in Kimberley to look into those matters. And when we spoke to Ambassador Lapo yesterday, he was saying that so far they have been very successful because 99.1% of the diamonds that are in the market currently are diamonds that are sourced in a, in a, in a proper way, like that are conflict-free. All right, uh, almost a, a, a muted conference, this one. Not much of a halabaloo about it uh, that you'll see, for instance, when there's uh, uh, tourism in Daba, when there's mining in Daba in Cape Town. Uh, and, and yet, uh, diamond is, is a precious metal, we, and we know that uh, it sells, uh, particularly outside of, uh, of, this, uh, of this country and this continent. Yeah, it, it's being mined here, and it's sent overseas uh, to be processed. Why is that? Well, basically, um, what they said was that with the 10 years um, anniversary that is currently happening is that they need to review a lot of policies because civil society has been has been saying that they need to look at human rights issues currently, you know, because it's not just the conflict diamonds that, that are now making it into the market because they were able to deal with it, but what is becoming a problem currently is issues 
that concerned um, people that work at these mines. Um, and the talking point was the issue about Marange in Zimbabwe to say that the, the the KP didn't do much about the Zimbabwe situation, even though the ambassador explained that Zimbabwe opened itself up to be assessed. Um, and they are concerned about that, even though they do not like the approach of, of civil um, organizations, the way they have approached the matter. But what he, in conclusion yesterday when we spoke to him, he was saying that they are going to be looking at such matters to see if they cannot incorporate human rights issues into the mandate um, of 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 the KP, even though he cautioned that if they do they do they do incorporate it, they need to be very aware that now they will be broadening the mandate of the KP and that they will need also more resources to kind of like enforce that. Mm. And uh, of course, it it came out through the deliberations yesterday. But what else that you really is crucial about the, the whole industry that uh, that was uh, discussed at length yesterday? Well, yesterday it was um, the, the discussion, like I mentioned, about um, the human rights, and they, they mentioned the fact that they will also be looking at small-scale um, um, diamond miners to look into how their, their, their diamonds are valued and the process that can kind of like across the board um, look into that to say how do they determine um, rather value of of such diamonds and to look at some of the policies and like you were saying that there are certain weaknesses that they need to look at and they need to strengthen that the KP is currently facing and to develop um, appropriate mechanisms to strengthen the work that they are currently doing. Um, and then he was saying that they need to also close the debate currently, the debate on the on the expansion and the definition of the mandate, because it needs to be closed to say this is what the KP does and this is what they are they are there for, and you cannot, after many years, come and add more things on it. All right, and finally, we know that mining really plays a, a big role in uh, creating jobs here in South Africa. And I heard you talk about uh, small diamond producers. Uh, but uh, was there anything said really about opportunities for young people to work in the diamond industry, whether they, they polish uh, diamonds, whether they, they extract diamond, whether they, uh, they recycle diamond? Was there anything discussed uh, around those issues? There wasn't much discussed because what happened is um, there was just an opening address where the minister addressed um, the proceedings yesterday and opened the conference. And after that, it was a lot of closed sessions, so we couldn't be part of that. And really, we just relied on the press conference, which was addressed by the ambassador, who gave us kind of like the overview of what they will be looking at, one, what are some of the issues that were discussed yesterday. So there wasn't much about the discussion about the diamond industry itself and how it can benefit young people. We well, thank you very much, uh, Margaret uh, Motibi, our reporter in Kimberley, and uh, we will be joined later on by Dr. Ola Bello from the South African Institute of International Affairs to look further on uh, this issue, the role really play, being played by uh, the Kimberley process in uh, dealing with uh, the diamonds from uh, conflict areas, blood diamond as we know it. There is even a movie uh, around uh, this particular issue of uh, blood diamond. It's uh, 15 minutes now past 12. Our top story, this our government has set aside a 3.2 billion rand to invest in youth entrepreneurship. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,397.90 an ounce. Platinum at $1,496.60 an ounce. The rand is trading at 9 rand 88 cents against the US dollar at 15 rand 17 to the pound and at 12 rand 91 cents to the euro. Midday Live is your lunchtime news fix. We bring you 60 minutes of news around the globe. Follow the top stories of the hour. The learners had covered that the teacher had an old South African flag on the wall and that there were also pictures of baboons and the Malema on the wall as well and that he was also referring to children using the K-word. We immediately dispatched a team. Abdul David is head of research at Kakhiso Asset Management. At the height of its contribution, manufacturing counted for more than 50% of total GDP. That has consistently declined over the number of years. Most of our patients are coming from the townships around Uppingdon. So we cover that area, what we bring, Papa Leno, and all the other areas around Uppingdon. Join us between 12 and 1 weekdays and stay ahead of the peg. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader.
It's uh, 15 and a half minutes past 12. This is the Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The ousted president of the Central African Republic, Francois Bozizé, has left Cameroon after the self-proclaimed president of his, of his country, Michel Jodotia, said he had no plans to destabilize neighboring Cameroon, despite its uh, decision to continue to host Bozizé. Jodotia's government had issued a warrant of arrest for the ousted leader while he was under the protection of Cameroonian authorities. In a news conference granted in Bangui, Jodotia also pleaded with the African Union to re- reconsider his country's suspension from the continental organization. The SSBC's correspondent Moki Kinzeka reports from Yaoundé. Before the ousted president of Central African Republic, Francois Bozize left Cameroon for an unknown destination through Kenya, where he is said to be on transit, the man who ousted him and took over power, Michel Jotodia, granted a news conference in which he said Bozize had to leave Cameroon. Le Cameroon est notre voisin immédiat et nous avons une histoire commune. Il n'y a pas de raison pour un individu. Cameroon is our immediate neighbors and we have a common history. There is no reason for an individual to disturb us. There are state issues. When the time will come, Bouzizi will leave Cameroon. He will not remain in Cameroon. There are some negotiations to be made, certainly. Cameroon is our brotherly country and our immediate neighbors. We have no intention to destabilize them, and Cameroon has no interest to destabilize our country. The news that Bozize finally left Cameroon, where he had been hiding ever since he was ousted, has been greeted by Cameroonians who say his presence constituted a security threat in their country. He had been declared wanted in his own country, Central African Republic. President Bozizé's presence in Cameroon was kind of insecure for Cameroonians. He left his country in a coup. He was in hiding for a number of crimes. And uh, the Central African authorities there had made it clear that they wanted him back. And um, he would have been calm, uh, not undertaking any activity but recently we heard he was in the east region uh, the border between Cameroon and the Central African Republic where he met his supporters. Bozizi has been declared a fugitive in his country. The fact that he stays in Cameroon makes it insecure for both for Cameroon and for the cordial relations that is supposed to exist between Cameroon and Central African Republic. If you keep somebody in your country who has been declared a fugitive in his country, it means you are supporting that fugitive and that would have strained the relation, the good relations that is supposed to exist between Cameroon and Central African Republic. Other issues raised by Jotodia during the news conference had to do with his handing over to civilian rule. Here is the There are some states supporting us. They are obliged to be with us today because they have to accompany us in this transition. We are managing a consensual transition. At the end, we will not be candidates for president. He also said that he was happy his country was becoming peaceful enough. The country is gradually becoming secure. For the past two weeks, there has been no armed banditry, shooting here and there, and using arms to steal. That is indicative that there is peace. But for the LRA rebels that are disturbing us in the north and east, but there is calm, and for that, we can celebrate. After a coup d'etat in which Jotodia ousted Bozizé, the African Union suspended Central Africa. Michel Jotodia is asking the Continental Organization to reconsider its decision. I do not have anything against this organization, which is ours, because there has been sanctions. But I think that they have to reconsider the decisions they took to suspend us. Jotodia has indicated that wherever Bozize goes, he will negotiate with the state government 
to send him back to the Central African Republic to answer charges relating to his deeds and misdeeds while he was president, Moki Kinzaka in Yaoundé. Beautiful piece there coming from Yaoundé. Uh, thanks very much to the SABC's correspondent there. Uh, a very nice piece. I think we need to follow up on what is going on with uh, Francois Bozizé. Let's bring it back home. The Association of the Mine Workers and Construction Union, AMCO, and the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration, the CCMA, have requested Extractor to consider collective appeal of uh, the dismissed workers. This after the union and Extractor Chrome Mine Management in Steelport, Limpopo, failed to reach an agreement to end a week-long strike by mine workers there. Uh, mine management dismissed about 2,000 workers for embarking on an unprotected strike. Let's speak now to, to Misani Nkanichana, who is the national organizer of AMCO. Uh, Mr. Nkanichana, good afternoon to you. Just uh, bring us up to speed with the, the latest there. There was uh, no agreement reached between uh, yourselves, AMCO, and uh, uh, the, the mine management there. So what is the latest right now as we speak? The 2,000 uh, workers, are they still out in the cold? Yes, the, the workers are still out. We are busy engaging in management in the issues of the appeal. The management, they want the individual appeals. As a union, we rejected that. We said we want the collective appeal, not individual appeal, because we believe that our fellow brothers, some of them, they cannot even read and write. But if we can collective appeal, that thing can assist uh, a lot of uh, our our comrades. So, but now the company is still is focusing on our position of the collective appeal. But so we uh, have been waiting for them. Is, isn't it um, uh, my management's uh, policy uh, that uh, the appeal is done individually? There is no group appeal. Yes, yes, they said that. But we rejected that. We said we wanted We even gave them our, our, our letter supporting what we are saying, that this is what we want. Unless there is a uh, watchman and hiding agenda on this process. But, uh, Mr. Nkanichana, Mr. I mean, uh, that uh, some of your members, uh, as, as understandably so, cannot read and write, it shouldn't be uh, the main issue, really, that, that uh, is, is pressing you to want the, the mine management to change its policy, because surely you can find an interpreter uh, so that then the process is, is much easier. Why, why are you running away from that? Because the, the strike in the first place was uh, unprotected, wasn't it? Isn't it? I'm asking you. Yeah, isn't it? The strike is unprotected. But what we are simply saying, at the Rustenberg, there was a collective appeal. They lie when they said their policy saying that there was a lot of strike in the charter. There was no individual appeal. This is new and fresh. We don't know where did they get the issue of individual. At Leyland, there was a same strike of racism. There was no collective appeal. Mm. So why now they want people... Sorry, there was no watchman, there was no, 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 no individual appeal. There was a collective appeal. Why now they want people to embark on an individual appeal? Because we are here as a union, these are our members, then we will do everything on behalf. So what happens if uh, my management rejects that? No, uh, uh, I think uh, 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 right now I cannot trade it. <laughs> Let them reject that, then we'll take it from there, if they reject that. But now I cannot trade it, that what can happen. But, uh, uh, Mr. Nkanichana, don't you risk being seen as putting the, the, the lives of uh, the mine workers in danger here, of uh, losing their jobs, uh, because clearly the mine is clear on this one? I think I cannot say I cannot allow you on what you are saying, or I'm totally disagree with you on that. Because one, the workers embark on the illegal side because of the same management. When I'm saying to you, there was a lady here 
who lose a baby who was getting a miscarriage because of racism. So the management must respect the, 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 the call of the workers. If the workers, they said, this is enough, it's enough, because there was a life that is lost because of racism. So okay. how can now... How can now how can now someone can say no AMCO doesn't respect the, the, the issue of the workers the workers will lose the job and what and what if the workers lose the job it will be the, an issue of management that is them who force the workers to do that I, we even told them that look the rate of unemployment in this country is very very high. So management, you cannot embark on a process of dismissal. Okay. So don't ever, ever do that. That's why we are simply saying, management, let us keep the peace. Let us bring the stability to the workplace. Let us have uh, this collective agreement. And let us have engagement after this. Let us sit down and look what can we do on this. Because even as we speak right now, management is really, really promoting this, uh, what's name, this racism at this company. Right. They are not saying anything. They, they does to, to dismiss the person or to put the person in suspension. Okay. The one who, who yes. Alright, now we thank you very much uh, Mr. Dumisani Kanichana, the national organizer for AMCO there in uh, Steelport Mine in Limpopo at 27 and a half minutes past 12. Join NetBank and SAFM in keeping others warm this winter. Support the NetBank SAFM winter campaign by donating a minimum amount of 50 rands into the winter campaign account at a NetBank branch. Or contribute 20 rands by SMSing the word WINTER to 40017. For more information on the campaign, visit netbank.co.za. Make things happen. NetBank, in partnership with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, bringing warmth this winter. The Standard Bank Jazz Festival kicks off in Grahamstown on the 27th of June. SAFM is proud once again to be the official radio partner. Join us for 10 days of amazing jazz and blues, featuring Mikasa, Esavan Naidu, and dozens more local and international jazz superstars. Also featuring the 2013 Young Artist Award winner for jazz, Shane Cooper. SAFM will be there to bring you some amazing performances and keep you in the loop with all the backstage action. But there's nothing quite like being there, so book now at CompuTicket and head to Grahamstown for the Standard Bank Jazz Festival. All right, let's uh, read some of your SMSs. Uh, the, the issue really is that of uh, the ANC rejecting claims that uh, members of the party were involved in uh, inappropriate incidents aimed at embarrassing uh, DA leader Helen Zille and uh, Cape Town Mayor Patricia DeLille. Reports say the two were booed at and human waste thrown at uh, their bus in uh, Kailicha. The ANC is uh, Philip Dexter saying that uh, the party does not approve of such behavior. Let's read some of the SMSs here. Is it uh, necessary to lock the toilet door when you share an apart- apartment with someone uh, with whom you love and sleep? Okay. Uh, and this one says that DA is a desperate party uh, that will do anything to win votes and uh, they should build proper toilets for black people. That's Ted there. This one says Mavis says the bucket system is all over uh, the country. Viva Helen, viva Pet. And uh, this one says the government of Somalia is looking after its people. Hence the letter to SA government. Uh, the same about uh, ours, so the youth are doomed. Okay, and another one says uh, this action proves how many uncivilized barbarians still form part of our society, also unsigned. It comes through this one from advocate uh, Ian Mpatele Hamarishane in Limpopo. It is nonsense for the ANC Youth League in the Western Cape to say the DA does not deliver services as if when ANC was in power there uh, for over 10 years did something, uh, writes Advocate uh, Mpatele there. And uh, what the NC Western Cape did to Zile is uh, inhumane. That's why these uh, or they lose voters. My family uh, votes are coming DA next year. That's Mzukisi in uh, Kailich. Just some of uh, your SMSs coming through on uh, 34701. It's uh, 12.30 now and it's time for the news headlines with uh, Asanda Matsaunyan. Thank you very much, Asanda. Nancy Richards, just in time for your Wednesday edition of uh, Otherwise, what's coming up? Absolutely. Well, it's Wednesday, as you know, and it's our help desk. And what we're, what we're calling the program today is What Are You Eating For? 
Despite issues of obesity and hunger and lack of access to food here in South Africa, eating disorders is a growing problem right here, and it's most especially amongst young girls and women or girls and young women, should I say. So that's what we're going to be talking about on the show today. We've got a couple of specialists who will be joining us. And looking forward to hearing people's personal stories or if they've got questions, that's what it's all about. What are you eating for? Eating too much, eating too little, eating not at all. Give us a call. It's otherwise right here on SAFM right after the news at 1. Thanks, Bongi. Thank you very much. Just eating to be full. That's all. No diet, no nothing involved. Okay, looking forward to that between 1 and 2 this afternoon. Otherwise, courtesy of Nancy Richards right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. In the Eastern Cape, the Eastern Cape Local Government and Traditional Affairs is embarking on an initiation awareness campaign. MSC Mlibo Koboshian and the team of traditional leaders are visiting Upper Kohana High School in Misty Mount to talk to these communities about zero deaths and amputations during initiation. The winter initiation season in the province will start in earnest this weekend. Let's talk now to the spokesperson for the Eastern Cape Local Government and Traditional Affairs, Mvusowe Kaya Sikwecha. Good afternoon to you, Mvusowe Kaya. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. Well, the, the season is starting uh, this weekend pretty much in the Eastern Cape. It's been well underway in Bumalang and Limpopo with around 40 deaths there, deaths of initiates. Are you worried uh, as you approach this season in in the Eastern Cape? The MSC Commission is very worried uh, owing to a number of incidents that have happened in previous seasons. But uh, his worry does not end there. He's, He's appealing to communities to ensure that their young boys are initiated properly. Uh, they, they employ uh, English that is skilled and experienced in initiation. Because it believe that uh, initiation is not just about the circumcision part of it. It is about uh, nurturing these young ones to the men. Mm. And, and last year the province set aside about 20 million rand to curb deaths of initiates in the province. What was achieved with that uh, amount of money? There was a reduction uh, compared to previous seasons. There was a, a heightened uh, awareness and education program where we, we, we also encouraged uh, these young boys to do it properly. There was also a training of uh, English from across the, the Kai River with the ones from the former Transkai side, owing to the fact that in some of the borderland areas, initiation was uh, last done in, 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 in previous centuries. Uh, now it has come back, uh, not in a procedural, uh, cultural way. It has been brought back by, by young boys, by the youth. So it, it, that created problems uh, such that you, you don't have that I experienced in initiation. But young boys have been dying there in the in the Eastern Cape during initiation, and we don't hear much of people being arrested for 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 that. Are you are you going to be looking at that quite seriously this time around? We've been worried about that because if you look at our report two years back, we raised this issue that cases would be opened by the police. But family members and, and those young young boys would not follow those cases through to, to see them to being prosecuted properly. And it's a worrying factor. We are also in the process of legislating uh, a change of uh, a change a change an amendment rather in our uh, in our laws to say anyone who has been found negligent uh, with circumcision should be charged for murder. Because this thing is very problematic. So that's, that's, that's a process that we are starting to change this, to tighten up the laws. Mm. And, and uh, you are going around the uh, schools right now in that uh, particular district of uh, Misty Mount, really to, to talk to uh, uh, the, the young ones about uh, initiation schools. What are the tips that uh, you are giving to them? And also, are you working on publishing legal schools, legal initiation schools that parents can, can choose from as opposed to them just uh, sending their, their children to just about anyone who can claim to be a, a surgeon, a traditional surgeon? Well, the, 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 the emphasis view on this thing is that initiation is a, is a family and community issue. 
while publishing such information might help, we strongly believe that uh, it would be good for communities to consult their traditional leaders uh, in, in, in initiating their boys because those traditional leaders have a responsibility to, to ensure that they, appoint, they, they know in that they are credible. They don't just allow community members to consult abstracts uh, uh, who are masquerading as, as English. So we, we're saying that uh, if we are to deal with this thing, community structures ought to work together to attend to all the problematic issues. So each traditional leader knows English in, in, in his or her community. Mm. And uh, are you paying any particular attention to high death zones? For instance, and Bondoland is one of those areas where the, the death rate really is, is quite high. Yes, that's why the MEC last week was, was in Bizana. He was joining a team of traditional leaders who were all over the, the, the hard-hit areas, as you mentioned. And Misty Mount also is, is one of the areas uh, that has been affected. And what will happen is that there will be a, a congregation of three, of three schools where we will educate them about proper ways of initiation. That's, that's what we're focusing on. We're saying instead of when we, when we wipe to wipe the water from the floor, let's just close the tap, not just to wipe it and hope it will, it will, it will, it will disappear from the floor. Because you need to deal with education. And the best thing to do that is to be frank with these young men. All right, uh, we were hoping to talk to uh, the MEC, and uh, one of the issues as we change uh, the, sub, the, the topic right now was to, to look at the issue of uh, the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro. What's the latest there? Have you, have you been able to resolve this standoff between the mayor and the municipal manager there? The, the MEC's view on this is that the, the matters at Nelson Mandela are, are very worrying. Uh, because they have a potential of delaying services to the people. But he's been part of uh, a team led by, by, by the African National Congress in the province to try and find an urgent solution to the matter in Nelson Mandela. And there are a number of meetings that are going on uh, trying to attend to these issues. And the MEC is confident that the ANC will, working together with the councillors and the municipal manager, are going to be able to, to deal with the matters of Nelson Mandela Metro. All right, we thank you very much, Mbusuwe Kaya Sikwecha, the spokesperson for the Department of Local Government and Traditional Affairs in uh, the Eastern Cape. The Kwazulu Natal has generated about a billion rand from hosting at least 30 conferences since 2010. This was revealed by the MEC for Economic Development and Tourism, Michael Mabuyakulu. He tabled his department's budget of more than 1.8 billion rand in the provincial legislature. Zanele Butelezi reports. MEC Mike Mabuyakulu says Kwazulu Natal derives huge benefits, including job opportunities from tourism. Tourism contributes about 10% to the province's GDP. Mabuyakulu says a robust marketing of the province by tourism, KwaZulu-Natal, has attracted a number of international conferences and events, generating about a billion rands for the province since 2010. Chairperson, we have recently hosted another successful Indaba, which brought together thousands of delegates to the shores of Durban. Chairperson, we are happy to report to the House that our enhanced efforts of implementing the World Natal Early Strategy will see an increased number of international islands flying direct to King Shara International Airport and it continues to bear fruits. The province recently won the bid to host the 21st World Route Development Forum in 2015, a global meeting place for airlines, airports and tourism boards, as well as government stakeholders, and which attracts about 5,000 from over 110 countries. Other international conferences that have been secured include one on Chinese medicine this year, the Port Cities Conference next year, and the World AIDS Congress in 2016. Mabuyakulu says the strategy to increase the number of direct international flights to King Shaga International Airport continues to show positive results. He announced that M. Mauritius will be relaunching its Durban-Mauritius route in July. And the airline will be reintroducing direct flights twice weekly from Port Louis into King Shara International Airport from the 5th of July 2018, ahead of the Vodacom Deb in July. During high season, flight frequency will increase to three times a week. Discussions are underway between the province through the Dubai Trade Ports and Tourism World Natal to introduce a direct flight 
between Khaberono and Devon. Although the route is envisaged to be introduced in early 2014, we will start hosting more Botswana visitors through a targeted marketing campaign with the airline and bringing chartered flights into the city. Meanwhile, the department has assisted more than 3,000 small-scale farmers to grow sugar cane in partnership with the private sector since 2009. Babuyakulu says 236 sustainable jobs have been created, as well as another 2,475 seasonal employment opportunities. This program ends this financial year and proposals for new projects in the sugar industry to support rural development will be made. Mabuyakulu says trade and investment KwaZulu-Natal has also secured investment commitments from business for projects worth about a billion rands. These projects facilitated the creation of 1,240 new employment opportunities in the province. Meanwhile, the construction of a 120 million rand adventure park is underway on the province's north coast. Mabuyakulu says the Nooms Adventure Island is scheduled to open its doors to the public in 2014. Chairperson, this exciting development is set to open its doors to the public in December of 2014. This underscores our resolve of using tourism as one of the implements of driving the economic growth in the province. The economic spin-offs from the Nooms Adventure Islands are immense. We expect that it will create 230 full-time jobs in the initial phase and attract 300,000 visitors in its first year of operation. Mabuyakulu also referred to the economic potential of the marine sector. The ports of Durban and Richards Bay handle 60% of South Africa's cargo tonnage. Mabuyakulu says the draft integrated marine strategy will shape the future of the marine sector in the province. The department is also finalizing a study on the KwaZulu-Natal Maritime Center of Excellence, which will groom skills in the maritime sector in preparation for the anticipated growth. Zanele Butelezi, SABC News, Peter Moritzburg. On that uh, 1.8 billion rand budget for the economic development and tourism in KwaZulu-Natal, we say good afternoon to Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Sasfin Securities. How is the market looking today, Clinton? Afternoon, Pongi. Well, the market's a little weaker today after the overseas markets fell in response to the Japanese Prime Minister's speech uh, to adopt a number of measures there to, to try and improve their economy, which, uh, which failed really to, to capture the imaginations of investors. Uh, at the moment, we've got the gold board down 0.4%, uh, resources are down 0.6%, industrials down 07 and financials down 0.9%. Overall, we're down uh, 269 points at the moment, 07 of a percent. Uh, 40,629. Not much coming through from the corporate news, so let's go straight to the movers and shakers. Uh, any big movers today? Um, on the movers, Bongi, uh, on the upside today, we've got Oslo Mittal up 4% at the moment, 33 Rand 38. Uh, Braids up 3.3% at 38 Rand. African Banks up 2.2% today at 17 Rand 20. And Kaplan County is up 1.8% at 4990. And then trading low, we've got Aspen down 3.9% at 196.40. Uh, Woolworths are down 3.7% at 69.81. Uh, MTN's down 3.4% at 169.80. And lastly, Steinhoff is down 2.7%, uh, trading 24.55. And uh, your latest market indicators? The uh, gold price is currently $1,398 an ounce. Platinum is trading $1,495 an ounce. Uh, Brent crude is currently uh, $103.02 a barrel. Uh, yield on the R157 is now up to 5.91%. And uh, finally, the rand is trading at uh, 9.93 to the dollar, uh, 12.97 to the euro, and 15.25 to the pound. And that's it from me, Bongi. Thank you very much, uh, Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Sassman Securities. Start your morning with the news and the insights. We agreed to meet, so what we will be talking about is what the NUN's ideas are around the pre-negotiations in Darba. It sounds a lot like the stakes have never been this high in the mining industry. A little earlier on I made reference to Chris Gilmore who said to me, the problem is that the pictures sent abroad by the strikes in this industry reflect badly on South Africa. The stakes are really, really high. Absolutely. The stakes are incredibly high and it will require all the stakeholders to work collectively to ensure that there is peace and stability. Join Polanyagwala weekdays between 6 and 8 a.m. on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Midday Live on SAFM. 
104 to 107. Let's go through some of your SMSs. Uh, this one says, uh, South Africans are constantly reminded not to liken certain groups to baboons and monkeys, while the behavior of throwing feces, I'm afraid, is indeed like a primitive behavior. So the perpetrators cannot demand to be called dignified with that behavior. They disgust all civilized people. This one is unsigned. And this one from Brian Kumalo comes through uh, saying that uh, ANC was formed by intellectuals and uh, most desert men and women. Therefore, uh, what happened in the Western Cape throwing human waste doesn't reflect us as ANC members. And this one from Carl says, most of uh, the people striking and tossing their waste in the streets in Cape Town isn't uh, even uh, from uh, this uh, province. Why don't they go back to where they came from and destroy them? That's Carl. Here's a question that says, your previous speaker mentioned racism four times. You said nothing. Are you an ANC plant, Bongi? It's a question. All right, it's unsigned. So if it was signed, maybe I would have uh, responded to that. Uh, when we came outside after Helen Ziller's meeting, we could smell the ANC Youth League was there. That's Jamina January there, writing through to us from uh, the Western Cape. Another one from uh, SUBE says that the Youth League should go and live in Zim. They will be in good company with uh, dis- disgusting thugs there. Uh, let me read this one quickly about AMCO. AMCO organizer is confused. They either don't understand the difference between protected and unprotected strike. These people are busy misleading and gambling with the employment of our workers. I'll see if I can't find a moment to read the rest of your SMSs. The Marukana Commission of Inquiry has until the 31st of October to wrap up its uh, proceedings. Uh, this follows a meeting between uh, all role players in Rustenburg this morning. We'll come back to that particular story. Let's go back to the story we ran earlier on. Day 2 of the Kimberley Process Mining Conference, civil society calling for the review and expansion of uh, the Kimberley Process mandate. Let's talk now to Dr. Ola Bello from the South African Institute of uh, International Affairs. Uh, Dr. Bello, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Anisha. Just help us understand, really, the, the official mandate of uh, the Kimberley process. What is it all about? Well, um, I think fundamentally, the Kimberley process um, is devised um, to the government, the private sector, and society organizations. Um, to together. Um, okay, so, to sorry, then, sorry, Dr. Uh, Bell, I'm just losing you a little bit there. I'm going to ask you to move around a little bit because uh, the uh, the cell phone really is letting us down. We, we're really trying to understand why was the Kimberley process started in the first place? What was it mandated with? To help All right, I'm afraid we're going to have to. Uh, to see if we can't get uh, Dr. Uh, Ola Bello back on the line, really, because uh, we're struggling to hear that. But uh, so many questions about this uh, Kimberley process, uh, whether really it's uh, it's uh, achieving its mandate uh, of uh, dealing with uh, conflict diamonds. It's been there for very many years. Uh, and uh, I want to know also the signatories to this uh, Kimberley process. Do we have the likes of the UK, of the US, where there's a booming business of uh, diamonds there? So we'll try and see if we can't get Get, uh, Dr. Bello back on the line and uh, see also the conference is still going on, uh, what is being discussed there. We know that uh, uh, Ambassador Wellington Tlapo, the chairperson of the process, has cautioned against uh, such action that of uh, the review and expansion of the Kimberley process mandate, which was uh, made by uh, the civil servants uh, or rather civil society, saying that uh, there must be a review and expansion of uh, this process. So we'll try and see if uh, Dr. Bello is not back on the line. Are you back on the line, Dr. Bello? No, we're struggling uh, with that. All right, let me just uh, continue with uh, some of uh, the SMSs whilst we're still trying to get him back on the line. Uh, Zilla must know that uh, the Western Cape is not part of a federal state where she will do as she likes. Delivery or no delivery is a national issue, not a provincial issue, as she seemed to claim from Adida in uh, Bushback Ridge. Uh, no amount of anger justifies spilling human waste. It's downright barbaric. I'm worried that our spiritual leaders are too quiet. Uh, we are a slap bang in Sodom and Gomorrah. Prayer and more prayer, countrymen and women. That's Bibi Khadebe there. Carl, you also don't belong to this country. This one is unsigned. 
The American Commission of Inquiry has until the 31st of October to wrap up its proceedings. This follows a meeting between all role players in Rustenburg this morning to discuss ways to speed up the process. An agreement was reached to conclude proceedings by the end of October. Spiwam Kizen has more. The commission was initially given four months to conclude its proceedings. It was believed that the process would be wrapped up by May this year. So far, AMCO leader Joseph Matunjwa and NUM President Senzeni Zogwana have already testified. Spokesperson for the commission, Tepo Mashangu, says they want to give everyone involved an opportunity to contribute to the commission. But of course, we are also mindful of the fact that we must, at the same time, never at all cost compromise the quality of the information that is being covered in the Commission. But we are mindful of the fact that we have to finish. And today's meeting really was about to look at the timelines to say how can we speed things up to ensure that we, we still practice fairness and that all participants must be given a fair opportunity to do their work insofar as their contribution to the Commission is concerned. Yesterday, Advocate Dalim Bofu, representing the minors, came under fire for questions he posed to National Police Commissioner Ria Piecha. He had accused the police of not acting humanely at Marikana when 34 minors were shot and killed. He also suggested that Lonmin and the police had sided with each other prior to the death of the minors. Lawyer for the police, Ismail Semenya, and Lonmin lawyer, Shal Bega, said Mpofu's argument was irrelevant. Tomorrow, Advocate Mpofu is expected to continue cross-examining Biecha. We expect him to conclude his cross-examination tomorrow. In the event that they're not finished tomorrow, we will in most likely would continue uh, with General Riafiega. Sometime next week. But we're hoping three or four more days should be enough maximum to, for Advocate Talimpofu to finish his cross examination. A new witness is expected to take the stand on Friday. A number of senior officials are also due to take the stand. Mashangu explains. The commission will then call the provincial commissioner of the South African Police Service in the Northwest Province, General Mbombo. We were informed by the police that they would they intend calling a number of their city generals who were involved directly in the in the American tragedy. These will include uh, General Scott and General William Mbembe. Over 20 family members of the deceased minors now have been accommodated at hotels in Centurion. The state has paid for their travel and accommodation costs, enabling them to attend the proceedings from tomorrow. All the families are expected to come today. Some were, did arrive yesterday at the commission, but the rest of the families that come from the Eastern Cape uh, um, province, we will then join the, the commission tomorrow when the commission resumes at half past nine at the new venue in Centurion. The commission is investigating events that led to the killing of 34 minors during an unprotected strike in August last year. Spiam Kize, SABC News, Pretoria. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It's proudly presented by Business and Arts South Africa, bringing the business of the arts and the art of business together. Currently showing at the Fada Gallery at the University of Johannesburg is the posthumous retrospective exhibition of the late artist and architect Monty Sack, who was one of Johannesburg's foremost modernist architects. Supported by PG Glass, the exhibition highlights Sack's many architectural and fine artworks, and it's accompanied by interviews with a network of people within his close circles. Nicholas Sack is the son of the late architect, and he's followed his father's career path in architecture. After Monty died in 2009, the family had always wanted to commemorate his incredibly prolific and productive life. And shortly before he died, he had actually prepared quite a comprehensive set of works which he intended to exhibit. So it was the right time for us to do it. And in doing that, we weren't looking for a picture exhibition. We were wanting to actually expand the content of his work and engage with people who knew him. For Sack, one of the outstanding characteristics of his father's work is how he experimented with design and found an interrelationship between architecture and art. There's a kind of courageousness in the way he experimented with just about everything. In architecture, a lot of the work that he did was quite 
groundbreaking in that it was in many cases a first example of a type of project, a shopping centre or a curtain wall building, you know. So in a way he was a groundbreaker in South Africa for modernist architecture. He was also able to integrate the work of artists in his architecture. He also used art in a way to find a way to express a building in a different way. And he also felt that buildings were nothing without art. A lot of the buildings that he was doing were public spaces. And art was just a way of bringing people in and inviting people to experience the building as well. That's the granddaughter of Monty Sack, Tanya, who also works with the Trinity Sessions, the curators of the exhibition. Nicholas Sack says the exhibition and lectures will take place, raising questions and debates of the heritage value of modernist buildings. A lot of the buildings that he worked on, in their nature, very nature, were commercial buildings. And the heritage value of those buildings is not that well respected. I think what this exhibition maybe attempts to raise, and some of the lectures that we want to actually have in that respect, is a kind of questioning of what is the heritage value of that modernist period, and what is the appropriate way to regard those buildings. You know, Johannesburg has an enormous amount of it, and it's just not old enough to be regarded as heritage-worthy. So the status of it as heritage is something that's really worth discussing. In conjunction with the exhibition, the architecture department at UJ completed a seven-week integrated project design course on SAC's work. Lecturer Alexander Opper runs the Architecture Master's program and he explains the brief that was given to the students. In this project, students actually looked at three of these buildings in Johannesburg in particular. So the students measure up the buildings, document them and draw them so as to appreciate notions of composition and rhythm, light and shadow. And that appreciation is inculcated in the students and allows them a different take on the value of architectural language and the use of architectural elements and relationships that make a building and how that building sits in a given urban or suburban context. Then the second part of the brief asks students to quite boldly and fearlessly design their own perceptions and understandings of what a contemporary Johannesburg needs in terms of the suburban fabric and the inner city fabric based on complete changes of movement patterns, dynamics, audiences which has emerged since 94. The retrospective exhibition, Architecture and the Art of Monty Sack, will be running at the Fada Gallery at the University of Johannesburg until the 20th of June. Lectures accompanying the exhibition will take place each Friday, whilst a walkabout will take place this Saturday at 10. I'm Michelle Constant. This feature was produced by Monique Sander, and you can email me on create at barsa.co.za. Create, proudly brought to you by Business and Arts South Africa, creating new opportunities for business arts partnerships. Email create at baza.co.za. And that does it for your Wednesday edition of Midday Live. Team today, Monday, Samtredis, Tarazel, Lamin, and Mabubuluka. President Machaya is our technical producer. Normalizo Mandela is our senior producer and executive producer. Zabusi Chan and Obrisichi. My name is Bongi Kuala. We shall meet again tomorrow for your Thursday edition of Midday Live. Right here on SAFM 104 to 107. Till then, bye-bye.